Okay, so uh, it's James Boren from Leverton here, who works in the UK sales team and account management team. Um, I'm sat here and I have the pleasure of being with Stephen Spooner, who is one of our, uh, or represents a leading contact at one of our major partnerships here in the UK. Uh, Stephen works at a company called Recept Consulting or Recept Asset Management. Um, and they're very much largely focused, and I'm sure Stephen will do a better job of explaining what the company does. Um, at sort of handling complex property problems for uh, institutions and they can range in huge degrees of shapes and sizes but uh, he partners us in the real estate industry due to the the, the much uh, long illustrious career he's had in it um, and the long time he spent in it and the experience you have with within the real estate market so I'll pass over to Stephen just to introduce himself um, Steve. Thank you, James. Um, it's great to uh, to be here. I don't know about illustrious, but it's certainly been a, a long and varied career. Um, I have always had an interest in the uh, the nuts and bolts of how the property industry works beyond my my role as a chartered surveyor, whether that um, is within a uh, um, an operational company. Um, using property. Um, I did a period of time at, at, at Ladbrokes who uh, um, had about eight or no, they had around about a thousand shops in the uh, UK at the time that I was there. And then I uh, um, spent 17 years at British Land, one of our leading uh, 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 real estate companies in the UK. It's now uh, one of the biggest REITs and uh, uh, various other things um, in between. Uh, the uh, issue for me um, uh, has always been uh, the inefficiency in uh, in moving information around, which not only makes deals way harder to do, uh, it, it also reduces uh, the uh, attractiveness of real estate as an investment medium. Um, I became involved in a uh, uh, an effort. Um, as it was in the beginning, rather than uh, a, a fully structured organization, which was um, um, used the acronym PICES, which is Property Information Systems Common Exchange Standards. In around about uh, uh, 98, 99, um, that um, had come to my attention, and it seemed like a really good idea. There was a group of people who were um, trying to establish something akin to a data dictionary um, where you uh, um, could be quite clear what you were describing when you were uh, moving large quantities of property data around. Now that, um, uh, when they first started, was incredibly hard to do, but um, nobody had invented XML at that time. Um, um, and, but luckily, um, that came along fairly soon afterwards. So around about uh, 2000, uh, Pisces structured itself into something um, which was much more of an industry-wide effort. And uh, major institutional uh, uh, investors, um, big occupiers, uh, legal firms, all uh, with people who were at those organizations who recognized what a difference this could make to the everyday operation of uh, uh, real estate, whether you're um, an occupier or uh, looking to uh, uh, generate income from it. Um, this, this gathered momentum and uh, we went out and actively looked for other 
organizations around the world who are doing something similar because we recognize that many um, uh, of, of the benefits uh, relied on this being a, a fairly universal standard of description, which meant that you had to have a, a, an international uh, approach to it. And we came across a people, uh, a group of people in the, uh, uh, in the FM side, in the occupational property side in the US, um, who had a, a, a very similar idea uh, about uh, how they could manage their real estate more effectively if only the data wasn't such a problem. And uh, those people organized themselves into uh, something called OSCA, Open Standards Consortium for Real Estate. Organizations like um, Cisco and uh, Sprint, um, uh, big uh, uh, owners as well, and, and advisors like uh, uh, um, um, Jones Lang LaSalle, as, as they're now known, uh, CBRE. So, um, uh, it made sense for us to get together, and we worked together for quite quite some time, and uh, eventually it made sense simply to have a single organization, and uh, um, I think that happened in around about uh, 2003, 2004. Um, I, I should remember the exact dates because I, I was chairman of Pisces at the time, and uh, 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 along with the, uh, the then chief executive, uh, Catherine Williams, we spent many hours um, on transatlantic uh, 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 calls to work out the detail of, uh, of how it was done. But that was achieved. So then became this international effort at uh, um, creating data standards. And, and we did a huge amount of work, both um, at uh, portfolio level and individual document level to produce the definitions that are needed and the technical aspects to create uh, um, uh, standards. Now many of those, once they're adopted, ironically, become almost invisible. Uh, a system like that that's working smoothly, um, people are barely aware that they're, they're using it. So for uh, uh, very many years, those people who um, in the business who have been creating valuations using the Argus, uh, um, uh, what is now known as the Argus uh, valuation system, um, and sending things to the company now known as MSCI um, for uh, data or performance benchmarking for real estate investors have been using a Pisces standard to do that. But nobody, it, it doesn't have that label on it. Um, so the effectiveness is quite extraordinary, but as ever, uh, anything that's easy to use, you have to try and maintain the interest uh, from people who think that it, um, it, was, it was a gift from heaven rather than uh, the result of a lot of hard work and, and more is needed to keep it up to date all the time. Nonetheless, Oscar have had a number of um, great successes uh, over the years in um, assisting businesses in, uh, in, in, in getting uh, uh, more uh, transparency and flexibility into their, uh, into their data. And I'm very proud to have been associated with it um, uh, over such a period of time. 
I think that's a, an absolutely outstanding introduction um, to go through. Um, I think everything's very clear there on sort of an introductory level. Um, obviously, there's quite a few questions that spring out on the back of, of what you've talked through. So one of the first questions I'd like to ask you about is, when you're standardizing stuff like this, was there, was there much resistance from anyone in the market? Was anyone concerned at what you were doing? Was anyone, you know, a little bit reluctant to be involved? I, I, I think um, it's always difficult to persuade people to, um, uh, to give time. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, the, the people who, and there's, there's been a, a huge number of people who've, who've devoted hours to this and uh, uh, have, have uh, made the effort. But you've got to get, ask your boss if you can uh, uh, spend time on doing this and make, make the case that the, uh, the business is going to have a benefit from it. Um, there, there hasn't, um, if you like, been much in the way of active resistance. What there has been is quite a lot of misunderstanding because it's easy for uh, people whose business is real estate um, to uh, to get the wrong impression of what you're trying to do in something which, in, in, on some levels, is very technical, but but actually demands a, a deep knowledge of how the business that you operate in actually works day to day. So, you, you know, occasionally you, you would hear people say, "Well, no, we don't, we don't want to standardise property or leases," and uh, well, no, no, nobody's asking you to do that. We just need to know when uh, when we say the word rent exactly what is meant because if you go into different jurisdictions around Europe let alone the world and in the US it's even worse um, uh, because this varies city to city the uh, the a actual meaning of rent can be quite different because it it incorporates uh, uh, different things in different places and it's even worse with with floor areas so um, misunderstandings that have to be explained Active resistance? No, not really. There is, of course, an argument that if if you are um, operating property systems that uh, deal very nicely and, and easily with your clients' data, um, uh, uh, but the clients find it very hard to move because they don't want to transfer that data somewhere else, um, you, it's, it's very good at retaining uh, customers, but uh, to be fair to all the uh, uh, the players in the in that field, um, they generally seem to have accepted um, that they're just as much winners as losers from that situation because they can import uh, d data from a competitor's system just as easily it can be exported to a competitor. So um, they reckon that's sort of generally neutral and uh, uh, and have supported this uh, this process. Very good. Um, when I think about some of the, the concepts involved with Oscar and Pisces, one thing that uh, comes straight to my mind is, could, could lawyers be involved somehow? Is there a, I'd be interested to hear a little bit more about um, whether lawyers have been involved at any stage, because when you're thinking about terminology and trying to standardise and understand and interpret things, um, lawyers sort of spring to mind. Was there, was there any, any involvement from us? Yeah, lawyers have been a very important uh, uh, part in, in the process. Um, there have been some truly visionary people um, come in and, and give uh, given their, their time to uh, help develop this. Um, it's very difficult for lawyers because their um, uh, stock in trade uh, is... is uh, subtlety in meanings um, uh, in, in 
in and the crafting of words in order to give effect to uh, uh, sometimes some rather airy-fairy uh, concept that their clients come to them with. So uh, the, uh, the idea of reducing that to a, um, um, a, 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 if you like, a database with um, um, a, a series of, of dates, numbers, and uh, tick boxes um, is, is very hard for many lawyers to, uh, uh, to come to terms with. But um, what uh, those lawyers that, that understand what happens after their documents are completed know that that's unstoppable. It's what happens anyway. They, uh, 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 the, their, their clients or their managing agent translate those documents into a, a distilled form of information which enables them to operate day by day. Returning to the document if there is a dispute or an unusual situation that uh, that arises, and and uh, in order to try and serve their clients, they have participated in this so that they uh, um, are able to uh, um, contribute their knowledge of the uh, number of variations there can be to a, a single concept. Um, you, you have kind of um, the relatively easy stuff, like when rents are paid, um, um, down to uh, the incredibly difficult things like uh, um, uh, the definitions behind uh, rent review clauses, um, or even worse, um, how service charges are, uh, are, are made up. But uh, they've uh, uh, the, 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 some outstanding people been involved in in that process, and the, the level of detail in these standards have been that have been created is quite extraordinary. Mm -hmm. Very good. So we've talked a little bit about standardising terms and various things that may be present in, in leases. Now, one thing that uh, Leverton as a business looks at is standardising. Um, sort of a, a UK market specific list of fields that clients may want to look at. Is that something that Oscar and Pisces ever considered? Did they ever look at sort of, you know, almost documenting these are the, if I was to put down a lease into a hundred critical fields of data points, these would be the hundred I'd select or these 10 are really influential. Was there ever, ever any prioritization of fields? Um, yes, we. Uh, uh, I remember when I was involved, the uh, one time we went round and uh, canvassed the uh, the companies that um, the software companies that produce the uh, five or six most used property management systems, and and uh, said to them, "What do you need to set up a uh, a a uh, property?" Um, unit and lease file for your in within your your systems and then we amalgamated all of those some of them were as you might imagine exactly the same there's no problem there big tick in the box others um, were uh, um, quite different because they had a niche in the market which meant that uh, certain industries were uh, 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 would, would have demanded things that were um, specific to them and then there was the sort of gray area in the middle um, and uh, and I think um, we generally uh, we, we did a good job of getting it agreed what would go into the uh, uh, lease abstraction uh, yeah. uh, formula so um, uh, the 
It's exactly the same problem that actually Leverton are tackling, except the thing that Oscar can't do is to actually take it from live documents. So the Leverton requirement is to be able to, or the Leverton speciality is to be able to take that information out that are words in a document by and large and turn it into numbers and dates and tick boxes and that kind of thing. Whereas Oscar wants to sit in the middle and be the single point of reference for all those people to take that resulting data from, so that Leverton don't have to create a myriad of APIs in order to be able to put the oil in the system to enable that information to slide easily around the market. Yeah. Okay. I find it really interesting to hear you talk about the idea that, you know, Oscar and Pisces being relatively traditional in how they operate, perhaps, even though they were using XML when XML was a very early stage concept back then, but also seeking the help of technology providers. You mentioned the five or six property management system guys who were out there in the market as industry leaders and asking them their opinions on what you were doing. I find that very interesting because I think as a business, Leverton would certainly encourage traditional organizations to offer their guidance to our business as well and vice versa. So it's good to hear traditional real estate businesses and people within real estate actually work alongside the technology providers to sort of provide something that's beneficial for the whole market. I think that's really interesting. So one point I would move to now then would be how sort of lease obstruction has changed over time, perhaps. I think one thing that I've personally seen quite a lot from customers is there's maybe a trend to slightly more simplistic lease obstructions. So containing the real sort of dates and dollars and crooks of the data in a shorter time frame. We see people ask for that quite a lot. Obviously, within Leverton, we can provide a more detailed analysis even in a shorter time frame as well. But that seems to be a trend that I've seen over the last sort of year or two, but perhaps maybe over a longer time frame, Stephen. Um, yes, uh, you, you, can, you can get sent in, in different directions on this. And it's, it's, it's uh, uh, any kind of standards effort like, uh, like Oscar has to, uh, uh, has to get the trade-off between the quick wins and the long-term uh, usability of the uh, um, of the product and and the the, the wide market, um, it, it, it was always uh, uh, a tension, if you, you like, in 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 that area. Um, you could um, uh, it's quite easy to uh, oversimplify and finish up with something which uh, which is then. Um, not certain, um, and uh, uh, certainty is what you want. Um, so uh, having the levels of detail down below um, the, the, the high-level data turned out to be quite important for credibility as much as anything, because it's, it's a bit too easy to criticize something that seems to have uh, taken a lightweight approach. And um, lawyers in particular, of course, are very concerned 
that every aspect of the beautiful words that they create um, can be captured, because what was the point in doing that otherwise? Um, however, um, we're now uh, much more uh, the expectation of anybody in the world, whether they understand the technology or not, is massively higher. Um, if you're a private equity company and you're looking to go out and buy a business that um, has several hundred, if not thousands, of uh, um, uh, leases, um, then the, there is a general expectation that you should be able to do that um, pretty quickly. And, and a number of those businesses find it very difficult to get their heads around the idea that, that actually someone has to, gonna, is going to have to sit down and read all these documents and then report on them again because um, that's already been done before for different purposes, but no one will put their name to it because um, they can't be sure if it was done right or um, they, uh, uh, that perhaps the, the last person um, to do that or the last organization to do it was actually acting on behalf of someone else, the other people. So uh, it, it, um, it gets bogged down in, uh, uh, in legal and administrative or, and commercial issues. But definitely there is an increasing expectation that these things should be able to be done fairly easily. Very good. Okay, uh, we touched upon this a little bit earlier on, but um, when I go out and speak to people in the market, one area that people really relate to and light up about is liquidity in real estate. So you mentioned that uh, real estate as an asset class historically has been less favorable than other asset classes due to the liquidity element. Um, I'd be interested to hear firstly how you think standardizing terms in, in light of Oscar and Pisces actually improves liquidity, as I'm sure it would do, and also with the use of AI and smart contracts and these kind of technologies coming in, how, how you think that might impact on real estate liquidity over the next sort of few years? Well, time and money are the two critical factors in liquidity. Um, if you uh, if 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 you were able to uh, if if everybody in the market let me put it this way if everybody in the market was able to keep a team of um, uh, of a hundred lawyers uh, um, ready and willing to uh, um, uh, conduct a transaction um, and, uh, uh, and and they. The, the cost of them was minimal, um, then we would have liquidity in the market. You would be able to take an office block uh, um, and say um, uh, it's for sale um, and I'll take your best offer um, uh, within the next week and uh, I'll, I want the money for it the following week. You might even pull that off with that, those kind of resources. In reality, um, it takes a great deal longer than that because um, two factors, uh, no, many factors. The two or three main factors are the vendor is usually not very ready to sell despite what they may have been told and it turns out that they don't have all of the information that um, they really should have to be able to satisfy a buyer. The, uh, uh, the buyer um, um, equally um, has probably unrealistic expectations of um, the quality of information that will be, a 
will be available to them and uh, and how perfectly pristine the title and all of the associated uh, um, characteristics um, of the property, both physical and legal, are. Um, everybody makes a bid on something um, on the basis that everything's perfect and then starts haggling when they find problems. So the more problems you find, uh, the more you can probably get off the price. Um, but there is a whole uh, galaxy of uh, third parties whose input into this um, apparently simple process um, um, is going to potentially hold things up. Um, uh, there will be valuers who are asked to uh, confirm what the value is. Now, they've got to be working on the same information that the buyers and sellers are. Um, every, every new party I introduce here, uh, obviously, um, it, uh, it, it introduces a new opportunity for a mismatch. So then you have lenders and the whole basis of commercial real estate investment is that uh, uh, you have to borrow money in order to make this whole thing work properly. So there's always a lender. Um, then there are um, occupiers who may in some way even be asked to um, uh, give assurances um, in, the, uh, in the process of selling an investment. But certainly, if somebody is buying a business which is, uh, um, uh, or running a business, where occupation and, and, and therefore lease obligations are an important part of it, you have to uh, um, produce that information um, to a level of detail that you've never had to before, because you've pretty much gone along day to day making sure the rent gets paid on time and that you don't and that uh, the invoices that you're sent um, by the landlord are correct um, and not worrying about uh, much of this this detail you might even have uh, forgotten over over the period of years that you actually have a break option at a certain point or or there um, how your obligation for dilapidations actually work and that can be a nasty shock to a potential buyer of your business. So all, every um, level um, creates potential new problems if there is not a single source of the truth. And that's what it comes down to with, with real estate. Um, at the moment, there are a myriad of interpretations as opposed to a single source of the truth. And this is what I see as a huge advantage of machine reading of documents. Um, uh, um, ideally, it should be possible to give a purchaser access to that information that they can satisfy themselves very quickly that this has been done properly and that's how they will and that therefore will treat that information as correct and there can be then no argument with um, uh, with lenders and valuers as to what um, the underlying information is, only the aspect of how they want to treat it. Before we go into, I've just just realised there's something sure. that I haven't said that perhaps I should. Yes, is that the time a deal takes is critical to 
whether a deal happens. If, if the market is moving in any direction, you know, if either direction, whether it's going up or down, um, the more every, every day makes it less likely the deal will happen because one party is being disadvantaged while the other party is gaining the upper hand. And, uh, and that, that gets harder and harder as the days, weeks, months tick by um, from, from the point at which the deal was actually crystallized. And wasted time, effort, and a huge amount of money is massively important in, the, uh, uh, in, in how illiquid uh, real estate can be. Yeah, very interesting. It'd be very interesting to know sort of figures on that, you know, how many deals have been looked at and actually not taken place due to a time yeah. thing. Not very willing to give up that information because <laughs> it can be a bit embarrassing. Yeah, I can, I, I can imagine. I can imagine. And everybody takes a bit of a hit. You know, if, if a lawyer has... has uh, um, uh, spent, um, I, I'm not going to put numbers on it, but spent a huge number of hours on a deal that hasn't happened, the chances are the client will then go back and negotiate and say, you know, well, we've got nothing out of this. How much can you trim that back on the basis of the promise? It will def definitely hire you to do the next one, and that's bound to happen. Yeah. Um, now, of course, that can roll up into a bigger and bigger problem, but yes. Um, <laughs> Yeah, very good. So uh, as we move on, I think I think we should touch a little bit more about um, technology and its impact on real estate. So I think now is for the first time we're hearing terms like property technology and prop tech being used. Um, we certainly see more and more property companies uh, or property technology companies appearing uh, and offering different kinds of service and what they can do, whether it be traditional property management systems, companies like VTS, companies like Leverton as a business. What do you think, you know, the impact on, on the real estate industry of technology will be, you know, over the, the, the near-term future? Uh, there's all sorts of uh, impacts. But um, just a little word of caution there. The, uh, the, the, the real estate industry has a, uh, uh, a shining track record in being able to dodge um, um, uh, uh, technological advances. Um, uh, when the, um, the internet... Uh, boom was was, was at, at its peak at around about 2000. Um, uh, uh, real estate companies were um, dashing around looking looking for ways of looking more like technology companies, and somehow there would be a great uh, uh, impact of the in internet. Um, and that, uh, you know, horrifies me. That that all happened 18 years ago, during which time. Um, they've managed to more or less forget all of all all of that. However, um, uh, this is probably um, irresistible uh, now to some degree. Um, there are a lot of, uh, um, shall we say, vested interests because um, they uh, uh, keeping um, information close to your chest is, is uh, uh, a very important part of the advantage that you gain and therefore how you make money in, uh, in, in real estate. But that, that, um, the, the major difference now is a lot of that information um, is out there and being released. The, the government's attitude to uh, um, uh, how the land registry should behave has, has changed completely. Um, in, in that intervening period. And so now you can, you can gather a great deal of information 
um, uh, not only relatively cheaply, but actually um, pretty much free. So um, in that respect, it's in its information management, the, um, um, the real estate industry won't have mm. any choice. Um, but there are other impacts on, on real estate um, uh, from technology because technology has to some extent enabled the, uh, um, the serviced office world, for example. Um, it's uh, uh, now um, you know, apparent that, that we work are, are, are the largest occupier of, uh, uh, occupiers of office space in London. Um, now, that would have been inconceivable 10 or 15 yeah. years ago. Um, and, and that's, that's a, a totally different way of working and, uh, 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 from what we're used to. And, of course, everybody knows how uh, um, the retail world has been affected by um, um, online retailing. I think they're still struggling to... Uh, find a way of dealing with that, um, except there has been one um, <coughs> real winner in that area, which of course is, uh, is logistics. <coughs> and so far, um, by and large, that's as close as the real estate industry have got to taking on board technology, buying distribution warehouses. Which is not terribly creative in itself. <laughs> Very good. Um, one thing to touch upon that is actually a point you mentioned earlier, Stephen, but I think is a very interesting one. Um, one of the challenges we have as a business and uh, technology has and standardization has is this international element, this element of each jurisdiction has its own sort of subtle nuances in language, in, in terminology, certain you know criteria and fields may not exist in one one jurisdiction versus another one. So how did Oscar and Pisces originally try and overcome that? And um, could you offer any insight into the future of how technology businesses could look to, to break through some of those? Yeah, the only real way of, um, of, of, of doing that is, I, I suppose, um, in a sort of friendly and, and open, open way, is, is to engage with those uh, um, different um, jurisdictions, uh, make sure that there is something in it for, for them, um, encourage them to participate. Um, I think what then tends to happen is once all of this, uh, in all its complexity, is laid out on a, on a virtual table in, in a way, you begin to see how um, some things are necessary and other things aren't. Mm. And, and just let it happen naturally. Just, just let the, uh, the convergence be uh, something that's generated within the market. There is no uh, benefit to forcing things. The only, the only way of, uh, or, or the only organizations who have any power to force things are governments. And they will say, some particular aspect is is going to be uh, uh, mandatory or illegal or uh, uh, suffer tax benefits or um, uh, sorry uh, get tax benefits or, or suffer penalties and um, uh, uh, the, the, by and large governments don't interfere very much in anything except residential real estate um, and. Uh, 
so the market has to uh, uh, has to has to work out what's best for it. But realistically, if you if you're in, in a a world where most of your investors are in Asia and your investment product is spread all around the world, but but let let's say um, um, with a proportionately um, higher amount in the Western de um, developed economies, then um, uh, then there's likely to be some kind of uh, mingling of, of of those two because those who are comfortable with the way things are done in Asia uh, um, will very likely be comfortable if it went that way a bit in the West, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, and I think um, uh, the ability to put the two things side by side and understand what you've got um, is is the biggest single step you can make. And at the moment, the quality of information in an awful lot of the real estate market uh, markets around the world uh, means that that's really hard to do. And it's exactly the kind of thing that, that, that Leverton and, and uh, businesses that um, improve that transparency, uh, uh, why they're going to have such a huge impact. Yeah. Okay, very good. Um, next question, and I, I don't want to get off topic, but uh, you've had some experience in sort of going to meet with companies and showing them the, the Leverton system and what it offers and also speaking about Oscar and Pisces, no doubt. Um, what have your experiences been when you're actually talking to traditional institutions about sort of these new technologies? Do you think that they're a little resistant? Do you think they're, they're embracing this in the right way? I'd be interested to get your take on that. Well, there's always a, wow, that is a really cool moment. Um, you can tell the people in the room who um, have come up through the ranks, as it were, and, and been the, uh, uh, the, the graduate surveyor who sat with a pile of these uh, documents for analysis on their desk and had to trawl through them and um, fill in the forms. Mm -hmm. uh, they're the ones who are really going, oh, wow, if only um, it had been like that when, uh, when I had to do that stuff. Um, people, if you like, have come in from other directions in the business, maybe through being accountants or uh, uh, um, uh, have the right parents. Um, they um, uh, they uh, slightly think, um, okay, well, there's loads of people doing this already, aren't there? And, and, and actually say, yes, loads of people doing it already. And every individual has a tendency to do it differently. Um, uh, at a very basic level, you can get consistency, but as soon as you ask somebody to do more than two or three of these things, it's extremely hard to get consistency. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of nodding around the table and saying, you know, everybody thinks that they've got their data right until you try and sell something. And then you realize, and you know, the, and, and you, you kind of say to them, those transactions that you've been trying to do, um, I'll bet you despair at how bad the data is from the other side coming to you. Um, so, you know, um, when you're the buyer, um, does it actually take longer to buy that property than it does to sell it? Uh, and you know what? It doesn't. It's more or less the same. That means the other side thinks your data is just as bad as the data that you've got from someone else. Um, and although you've been comfortable with it, because that's kind of how you work with it, um, it's, it's not necessarily 
good enough for liquidity. It's also about a whole new attitude to that data. Because if you have managing agents as an investor for all of your property, then they are usually the ones who are involved in the day-to-day interpretation and delivery of that information into your systems. And that means that you're very dependent on them. And it's actually quite hard for you to say, you know, I've had a thought. How many of a particular type of break option do we have across the portfolio? Because I'm a bit worried about a recent legal case that could be interpreted as meaning that's ineffective. And actually getting in there, if you've got, if the lease is involved, run into hundreds, it can be quite difficult to get to that information when actually it's the managing agents who've done all of the analysis. And if you have to give it to the lawyers to deal with, it's going to cost you a lot of money. And at the very least, the way the Leviton system works is that that task can still be outsourced, but they're getting a consistent level of information and you can get to the nub of the problem instantly. But if you want to start, you know, in shopping centers, comparing the actual nuts and bolts of how each individual rent review works, Leviton gives you a chance to pull that information out and work with that solely in a way that doing a retroactive job of copying and pasting every rent review clause or every, shall we say, notice period required in the rent review clause, you'd probably never get started. It'd just be too difficult. Okay. So thank you very much for your thoughts. I'll ask you one final question, and I hope it's the most challenging of all of the ones that I've asked so far. So what do you think, given your background of working in one of the largest real estate investment trusts in the country, what do you think a real estate or a very successful and efficient real estate investment trust will look like in the future? I think they'll be very analytical. That's the world that we're definitely moving into. The sort of buccaneering opportunist, it's harder and harder for those people. They're also going to need, I think, probably to have a brand as a property investor. And just simply buying the cash flow and then trying to use good estate management to increase that cash flow or perhaps investing in development is actually going to get, almost by definition, gets harder 
um, all the time. Um, so you're going to have to be very analytical about what what you've got. And, and I think I, I really think those who um, are able to do that and, and keep their um, costs down and the speed that with which they can perform transactions um, has got to uh, be an advantage. Now, um, I'm, I'm uh, uh, completely realistic. I can see how um, being simply a large company um, is a benefit. Um, uh, but having kind of been there, it's also a weight, weight around your neck because if, if you have, I don't know, assets of say uh, uh, 10, 12 billion uh, um, sterling, um, to do uh, individual deals within that portfolio or even in buying, buying things in, which make a difference to your, uh, uh, to your bottom line, to, to profits or net asset value is mighty hard. You know, but if you've, if you've got a, um, a 150, 200 million um, uh, sterling um, portfolio and you pull off one good deal, which, uh, which makes a million or two, that's a much bigger percentage. And uh, um, therefore, uh, if, if you can get the efficiency of the big organization in terms of overheads with the flexibility of a, uh, a, a smaller uh, um, uh, portfolio than from a, um, a real estate point of view um, that, that the individuals involved are going to get a higher reward. And right, that's what we're all after, isn't it? Uh, that's the, the thing that makes a difference. It's, it's, um, it's quite nice to have a salary, but, but when you're actually out there making profits and if you can be effective um, um, with a portfolio and, and, a, and a risk profile that uh, is, is a few hundred million uh, as opposed to several billion, um, then uh, um, there's, a, there's a lot to be said for that. And if you're an occupational business, um, you are under pressure day by day to justify your real estate holdings and account for them properly. And accounting <coughs> changes are going to be many and varied um, for, uh, for those, those businesses. And they have to understand what their liabilities are. And I, I don't see any other way of realistically keeping up with it without using the technology. Fantastic. What a great overview. So, Stephen, thank you very much for coming in today. It's been a pleasure having you on, uh, on our series here. And uh, thank you to everyone for listening. Um, and there'll be another podcast coming soon. Thanks, Thank you. Thank you very much. It's been fun.